Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. This week, we dive into the second half of 1 Corinthians 12 and look at what it means to be community that works together as we continue on in our worship series, Members of the Body, an Exploration of Community. A reminder that our services are available in their entirety on our YouTube page, which is linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so that new sermons come into your feed as soon as they are available. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast app by searching for Beach Grove United Methodist Church. And if you are feeling really generous, we would love it if you would leave us a rating and review that helps us to grow our audience. And lastly, we invite you to find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoy this week's message and please don't forget to share it with others. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Paul's letters, from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 12 through 31. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one, so it is with the body of Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the eye, I have no need of you, nor again the head head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we have been discussing community. And community, as we have been discussing these past couple of weeks now, is this ultimate nature that we are called to exist within, 
right? God did not create us as individual creatures. I've said that multiple times over the past couple of weeks. No matter how inward you feel, no matter how introverted you think you are, you still have a community. Some may be smaller and more concentrated than others, but we exist to be in community. Everyone has a community they consider themselves to be a part of, and it is the nature in which we live into the many different kinds of community that exist in our lives that embodies this nature of God's kingdom that we seek to live within and proclaim. And so as I look out as a leader of the church, as a a citizen of the world, I see the manner in which we have allowed divisions and arguments to play into this matter of disunity that seems to be running rampant in our society. I've seen the way in which we've replaced communal love and care with this nature of radical individualism. If we are not willing to return to the true nature of community embodied in Christ's description and in our own embodiment, in his own embodiment of the kingdom, then how are we ever going to truly live into this nature? How are we here at Beach Grove, who have sought to model our very vision after community, going to project community ourselves? I mean, community is great. It lifts us up, it helps us, it keeps us safe and helps to protect us when we feel threatened. But individualism as a mindset can plague our community to go against the common good and can take us off track, the nature in which we learn and grow together. And as Paul moves away in this scripture, Right In last week's first 11 verses, we saw Paul begin to lay out these spiritual gifts. Paul began to define us as individual people. And yet Paul defines us as individual people so that we can come together and work together as a community. Growing, maturing, and working for the common good of the kingdom. And Paul offers this metaphor of, uh, of men, Paul offers this metaphor that many of us might be familiar with, this body of Christ imagery. But I invite us to hear it with new hearts and spirits today. You see, this imagery of the body is something that Paul latches onto as he culminates this letter in discussion on community. He comes in to see that considering how the body works together to do what it can do, that it is made of many different things working together to accomplish the work it was created to do. And so Paul collects his readers around this mindset, right, that they have all been blessed with spiritual gifts. Individually, God has blessed each and every one of us. But the problem now becomes, and the mindset of the Corinthian church that Paul wanted to address, is which is the best gift? Which gift do I need to be the most perfect Christian? If only I could speak in tongues, or if I could perform magical healings, or I could convert anybody that I see. This becomes our mindset. Instead of recognizing then in the gifts that we have are what bond us together as a community that allows us to grow and work together to do the work of the kingdom. And so Paul uses this body of Christ imagery as an image for the church, 
as an image for community in general, because it's about how we all fit into the puzzle to do this work that we are called. Paul begins this this second part of 1 Corinthians 12. He says, for just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. It is this opening sequence of this, this section before us today that we see exactly why Paul is writing to the Corinthian church in the first place. Right, I told you last week that, that this chapter, chapter 12, it's, it's almost like a culmination. It begins this downward trajectory as Paul looks towards wrapping up this letter. The Corinthian church, as with most communities it appears, suffers from this nature of individualism among itself. There is the sense that Paul is preaching against this nature. And if we look throughout this letter, we see Paul preaching against examples of individualism within community. In chapter 3, Paul addresses divisions on how people can grow together. In chapter 6, Paul discusses lawsuits among and in the midst of community. In chapter 11, Paul talks about how the body takes communion, dines in the Lord's Supper together. And in each of these, we see the nature in which Paul is addressing this nature, this sense of individualism that has put itself in the midst of the Corinthian community. As we can imagine, these complaints lobbied towards Paul, that Paul needs to address what is happening. We see Paul respond by saying, you are the body of Christ made up of many members who each have their own individual gifts, who each have their role to play in the common good of the community. Come and work together. And as we look out and hear the complaints lobbying in our society, it seems we live in one of the most individually driven societies ever. Our worth is driven off what we can do. And if we can't pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and do it, And oftentimes we're seen as lazy or lacking of motivation because we see this individualistic mindset come in and take place within our communities that I can do everything by myself. I have no need for others. However, this individualistic mindset we see right here and we see in the teachings of Christ goes completely against the way that God, the people that God calls to be. And it goes completely against scripture itself. And so if we are going to be a community that cares about community, as it is truly meant to be embodied, then we have to shed this understanding of individualism. Yes, we do need to care for ourselves, but not at the expense of our neighbor, which is often how we live out in our society. Paul comes around here in chapter 12, collecting his thoughts, making these bold statements that communities are meant to work together for the common good, not the individual good. All the gifts that are in the midst of community are meant to build, not divide. And Paul goes so far to say that we are only as strong as our weakest member. It's such a crucial understanding as we unpack the nature of community, because it's how 
Because if we are not growing together, then we have to reckon with the idea that we are the ones holding back communal growth. Because when one person succeeds at the expense of community, does the community actually succeed? And as we continue to look at this nature of community and how we embody it, at every different level, we must latch on to this understanding. This is why I've named several times in this series that variety of communities we are a part of, both willingly or unwillingly. Whether we know it or even like it or not, we are all in this together, this journey called life. The hundreds of billions of us across this earth and in each community that, de- that descends from it. Community extends beyond even those whom we know. And if we are not willing to play out community at every level of our lives and in every manner it can be expressed, then I fear we are missing the point of who God calls us to be. Paul is addressing here the ways in which we work towards the common good of the kingdom as a religious community. And even though the lesson can tangibly shift to other parts of our lives, we see the way in which we practice community right here in the church is an example of how we will practice community out in the world. Last week, Paul called us to name who we are. And as we dove into spiritual gifts, now we dive into how our spiritual gifts fit together the puzzle of our community. And as we do that, We name that others in our community have other spiritual gifts, right? I cannot be so big to think that I possess every spiritual gift that God has ever given anybody in the world. Andrew is not the most perfect human being, no matter what I think. There are other people with other gifts that I don't have. There are other people with other gifts that you don't have. A community is all of us bringing all of our gifts together to do the work that God has called us to do. Melanie Howard writes, For Paul, diversity within the body is not just a nice ideal toward which the congregation can aspire. Rather, it is an essential component to the full functioning of that body. Paul recognizes that every type of spiritual gift is necessary. And he hopes to convince the congregation in Corinth of the same. And I will add, in doing so, he convinces us that our congregation can do the same, that our community can do the same. Friends, if we do not work together, then how can we ever truly expect to live into this idealism of the body of Christ? We must be willing to not just enter into community, but to fully play out our role, to recognize the role that we can play and how we can play it. Working together means means considering what we bring to the table as well as what others bring to the table, and it is figuring out how we put this puzzle of a variety of gifts and graces together to do the work that God has called us to. It causes me to think about my neighbor. And it causes me to think what is best for my neighbor and myself all in the midst of this community. It removes this sense of individualism because even the manner in which we care for ourselves changes because of how we seek to work together, to live into God's vision. When we talk about community, it is talking in this way. 
No longer do I complain because I feel inconvenienced, but I consider how my decisions might impact others more far-reaching than I. I cannot think that I am the full body of Christ. I have to recognize that I am either a hand or a foot or an eye or, as my wife says, a mouth. And I need some ears. We all have to do our part. We all have a role to play in this community. Paul is speaking to a church that has lost this sense of community. A community plagued with division, infighting, and cruelty towards one another. In the midst of a church community. And calling them to recognize the ways in which they can work together what it means to live in and live with other individuals, what it means to respect one another. And if we are truly going to live into this nature of community that we so wish to embody, we must learn to work together for the common good of this community and the common good of creation. And yes, that can feel so difficult. And working together does not always mean we agree on everything. In fact, I think we've learned that that may be impossible. But I think at the end of the day, we can all commit to the work, to the common good of loving God and loving our neighbor. We can collect together using our gifts and do this work. We must honor and respect each other and what each of us brings to the table We must respect and love the inherent humanity that we have each been created, the inherent image of God that we have each been created in. And as as we noted last week, it is God who creates us, God who blesses us with gifts. It is God who calls us into ministry. And we cannot ignore the way that God is working through us together. God works through us together together. And we work together for the good of God's kingdom. And so may we all live for God's kingdom. May we be united, even by our differences, to work towards the common good in the world. Amen.